Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome back to another edition of the Michael Deacon program. Tonight, the professor is live and direct. And of course, your phone calls are always welcome. That number is 760-332-8965. That is correct. That number you see on your screen right now is the accurate number. So don't hesitate. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us once again for a very special edition the Michael Deacon program and of course all of you lovely people out there in the chat room I'm so glad you're here and of course in a moment the professor is in the building and I believe he is ready to go let's bring him in Jim how are you Oh, Michael, just delighted to be with you again my friend I take great pleasure in our interviews Clockwise and Jim I'm so glad you're here lots to discuss so much going on around the world and uh, first and foremost i hope everything is going well with you and your family especially right now during these troubled times oh yes 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 we're coping like mad and uh my wife uh, of course is uh here we go uh, my favorite part 
Go ahead, Mike. I was saying, uh, of course, my favorite part. Of course. Yes, when when your wife uh, gets in gets into it with you, Jim. That's my favorite part. <laughs> I love that. I know it. I know it. It's absolutely unbelievable <laughs> because she believes everything that Rachel Maddow has to say. Oh my. Yeah, yeah, it's fascinating. Um. The president came back from Walter Reed today at 6.30 or thereabouts. I watched it on television as he left the hospital and used Marine One to return to the White House, where he'll receive excellent medical care. In the meanwhile, we had a barrage of attacks upon him from the, from the Democrats. Uh, I mean, these extremists you find on CNN and MSNBC, it was really extraordinary. They were predicting his death. They were saying, you know, he was obesely, morbidly obese, which is completely ridiculous. Let me say, when I, you know, got out of the Marine Corps in 1966, I was in from 62 to 66, I was in the best shape of my life, weighed about, oh, I don't know, about 178, 5'10 and a half, but in really good condition. Right. In, in a year or two after that, or maybe more, my, my stepmother was concerned. She said I should have a medical examination. Well, I didn't think it was really necessary, but my father had died from a heart attack. So I think she wanted to make sure I didn't have cardiovascular disease. Sure. Yeah, well, she sent me up with this very high-priced physician in the L.A. area, and he came back and, and declared that I was obese, and I thought that was pretty weird because, you know, then I don't think I was more than 10 pounds overweight. Today, I, I wouldn't argue about it, but most of America happens to fall in that category of being overweight, and sure. of course, the Democrats have closed down all the gyms and every place you would go to keep yourself in shape. But what, what, what astonishes me is how many have been wishing for his death. Right. Piers Morgan, with whom I don't always agree, but a former CNN host, actually was taking apart a number of leftists who were celebrating Trump's COVID diagnosis and, and even hoping he would die. In a tweet, Morgan wrote, interesting to see those who spent the last few years screaming that Trump's an uncaring, heartless, empathy-devoid bastard now spewing their gleeful joy that he and his wife have a deadly virus. They're no better than the man they loathe. Get this, even worse. He pointed out that Zara Rahm, R-A-H-I-M, a former Obama White House staffer, as well as a 2016 national spokesperson for former Secretary of State and failed presidential candidate Hillary Clinton, shared a highly disturbing statement about the president's health and quickly deleted the tweet. She wrote, interesting, uh, 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 it's been against my moral identity to twi tweet this for the past four years, but I hope he dies. Wow. I mean, Michael, what was wrong with these people? That's a little now, much. I know. I mean, it's just disgraceful. And, and it, Rachel took the high road. I think she's a better propagandist. She realized that such gross negative remarks would backfire and reflect negatively on Trump's critics. So she wrote, God bless the president and the first lady. If you pray... Please pray for their speedy and complete recovery and for everyone infected everywhere. This virus is horrific and merciless. No one would wish its wrath on anyone. We must get it spread under control enough. 
Now, that was very appropriate. Sure. And, you know, I think it just shows Rachel's more sophisticated than some of these other buffoons who are really being awfully blatant about it. These are the people who are supporting the, the rioting, the looting, the arson, the murders, Black Lives Matter, Antifa. And it, it's pretty fascinating, Michael, how the, these government officials, these Democrat mayors and governors, don't seem remotely troubled when, you know, hundreds of Antifa get out there and rioting and looting. Uh, I think they may, in some cases, wear masks to conceal their identity, but there's no concern for COVID, no social distancing. I mean, it's really so blatant. And yet, if you had a small group of peaceful protesters who believe in freedom of speech, who wanted to support Donald Trump, They'd either be smacked down. I mean, some of them have been killed just for saying all lives matter by these monsters of the left. But no condemnation. Frankly, I believe the Democrats lost this election when during their four-day convention, they didn't once speak out to condemn urban violence, which is, of course, a major issue on the horizon today, and I believe will be decisive when the voting occurs on November 3rd. Yes, I'm looking forward to that. It doesn't really matter what the outcome is. I think certain people out there are going to riot, Jim. Even if President Trump wins or Biden wins, people are going to lose it. Well, get 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 this. Uh, it turns out 90% of BLM and Antifa riders are paid for by crowds on demand via Craigslist and Google Ads. Is I did see that. Of, right. Isn't that something? This is an outfit out of Los Angeles. They provided around 500 crisis actors for Las Vegas. So they seated the crowd with crisis actors. The way in which it was done is they had a pre-recorded soundtrack of machine gun firing they played over the PA system, and then they had visual special effects coordinated from the fourth floor of the Mandalay Bay Hotel. And so you saw this flashing light in coordination with the sounds of a machine gun firing. And ab about three floors above, you had bright lights flashing in three light bursts, which are typical of American military weaponry. And yet... The sheriff insisted he knew of no evidence of any shots being fired other than from the 32nd floor of the wing of the Mandalay Bay. But we have the we have the video, Michael. We have the video. So, you know, Crowds on Demand was providing what I would guess were 500 concert participants. So when they saw the light flashing or heard the sound, they'd cry out, you know, scream as though they were being shot at. There's no evidence, no evidence at all of anyone actually being shot. Paul Craig Roberts received letters from several physicians, uh, a, a, a military expert, who said that it was obvious to him from watching the videos of the patients that they were all faking their wounds. Then there was an American military surgeon, I mean, American trauma surgeon, who backed him up and observed they weren't even connected to the diagnostic equipment. My God, Michael. Right. And I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. I did want to cover some of the Las Vegas massacre with you, but I wanted to hold off just a moment. And well, I've here, it, here yeah. it is. Here it is. I mean, look, I went down to uh, I, I lost my balance. This was, you know, about a year ago. And just as a precaution, went down to St. Mary's Hospital here in, in, in Madison 
And from the time they check me into the time they check me out, they had me on a blood pressure monitor. Well, these alleged victims of the St. Uh, Las Vegas shooting weren't even on blood pressure monitors. I was still on Facebook it was before they gave me the boot. And one of my Facebook friends had reached out to the three closest hospitals and asked if they'd had any gunshot admissions from the concert. And the first said, no, no, not one. The second, the same thing. The third said, no, but you're calling, I think, about the drill. No one was actually shot. Check with the police. And she left the phone numbers if anyone wanted to verify. So I did. I called up. And the first two gave me exactly the same answer. No, no admittees. And and the third had been gagged. And she said, I can't comment. She was the one who had helpfully observed that nobody had died. I have this. I'm actually in the middle of doing a two-parter on Las Vegas on my new website, jimtheconspiracyguy.com. Michael, where I did an hour about it, setting it up, and this next Sunday I'm bringing in Mona Alexis Presley, who did brilliant research, where Mona tracked down the parties whose obituaries and photographs were being shown, you know, like in USA Today, for example, and found they when they weren't merely Photoshop variations of one another, in other words, some appeared there among the deceased more than once. They were based on persons who died in different states or on different dates or from different causes of death. The whole thing was a complete sham. It was actually, you know, like a movie, which is remarkable. That's what Kelsey Friend, one of the students at Parkland, said when she was interviewed after the event. It was like a movie, she said. It looked so real, but it felt so fake. Well, Las Vegas was totally fake. I mean, every aspect of it. And this is a, a two-parter, Michael. Everyone is going to learn. This is quite thoroughgoing about Las Vegas. Understood. Fact, lots. You know, I'm yes. doing a, a conspiracy a week there. Sometimes I devote more than one session, as I did on Shadowgate. I went with Danny Sirius, who has an extensive law enforcement background, and we went through... Uh, Millie Weaver's uh, documentary about how private parties are exploiting technological developments financed by the American taxpayer to run scams and to be able to, based upon all the personal information that Google acquires about us, to use that to trigger off any actions or behaviors they want to take place which occurred in the first instance here in the primaries in South Carolina. Remember this, Joe Biden, in 35 years running for president, had won a single primary or a single caucus, not one, right. for South Carolina. And the reason it changed, Michael, was because Google was reaching out to send vote reminders to persons they already knew would be disposed to vote for Biden to say, you know, get out and support Barack Obama's vice president, and then he won this overwhelming victory, and they had to keep it up, because otherwise it would have looked so anomalous. It had nothing to do with the James uh, Claiborne, you know, speaking out on his behalf. It was all rigged, and where the very same guy who pointed out the role of Google, Robert Epstein, who's the editor-in-chief of Psychology Today, has now testified to Congress that in 2016, Google took for granted that Hillary had it in the bag and didn't make much of an effort, but that in 2018, Google was responsible for getting the Democrats 
back in control of the House and that in 2020 they're going to go all out. And he predicted that they could bring in 15 to 20 million additional votes for the Democratic nominee. Well, here we are, Jim. You brought us down the rabbit hole with you on this. And I wanted to cover this much much later in the program. But since we are talking about this now, let's talk about this for a moment. It's been, what, three years now, Jim, since the Las Vegas massacre? Yeah, 2017, correct. Yeah, it's been three years. They say this is what was reported. 58 killed, 400-plus wounded. And this is what I'm adding to that. There has never been a clear motive, which leads to hours of speculation, Jim. We we don't know for well, sure what the motive was, or at least I don't personally, what Stephen Paddock oh, was up to. You know, people were saying he was a, a right-wing extremist hopped up on prescription medication. And uh, that's that's what they were saying, Jim. That's what's being reported, that he was a right-wing extremist. Uh, Jim, Michael, your thoughts and opinions. A- he was a multimillionaire real estate guy who liked to gamble. He didn't have any motive to, for a mass shooting. In fact, the whole thing's totally implausible. In fact, as you'll discover, if you watch this two-parter, that body lying in the room doesn't even appear to be the guy who is Stephen Paddock. Uh, there are several physical features that make it highly unlikely they're the same person. Not only that, but in the photograph, most of the world is seen where you saw some blood around his head and a scattering of shell casings. There were only a handful of shell casings, even though the sheriff claimed he'd fired 1,100 rounds. And among the shell casings, there were for blank cartridges and CO2 cartridges for gas-propelled pellet guns, as Scott Bennett, a former Army Intelligence PSYOPs officer, observed. So this was totally, totally staged. And the only person who may have died is the person they had there lying on the the floor in the hotel room, but it doesn't even appear to be Stephen Paddock because his physical properties don't match those of other identification cards we have for him that appear to be authentic. Right. I am led to believe that we probably won't get a clear answer on what the motive actually was in terms of Stephen Paddock. And, you know, I I, I suspect that he might have been perhaps involved in some sort of trafficking uh, sort of scenario with that uh, helicopter that he did own. No, no, Michael, this guy was just a patsy. He was just a body. He had nothing to do with it. Get this. The owner of MGM, which owns Mandalay Bay, sold 80 percent of his stock before and then bought it back up at low price afterwards. And, and Michael Chertoff runs a group that has these scanners, these body scanners. He's the guy who is the second head of Homeland Security, brought us uh, a- ATS, where you have to go through these scanners. He wanted to have them installed in every resort and casino in Las Vegas and right. eventually in every public facility across the country that would have brought in billions, billions. I mean, these things are done mostly for money, Michael, mostly for money and then political effect to try to promote the, the gun control agenda of the Democratic Party. But let me tell you how thoroughly that's been debunked with all the rioting and all the looting and with all the effort to defund the police or even dismantle the police department. Everyone knows they are on their own. So we've had about two million Americans buy weapons to protect themselves for the first time in their lives. And I'll just tell you, if worse comes to worse, Michael, we've got about 130 million armed Americans who 
aren't going to vote for Joe Biden? We will find out. I, I suspect a lot of people won't be voting for Joe, regardless of what's been going on. But we shall see. It's going to be very interesting. And oddly enough, by the way, Stephen Paddock's dad was on the FBI's most wanted list for armed robbery back in the 1960s, by the way, Jim. Let me let me tell you something else. Strange there's tidbit. Just been, there's just been a settlement, okay, for $800 million. For Mandalay Bay is paying like 49 mil, and the insurance company is paying uh, 751 mil, and the insurance company just happens to be located, located in Schaumburg, Illinois, which is very near where I have a niece and nephew, and we visit there frequently. Right. So I figured since I have all this proof that it was a sham, perhaps the insurance company would like to know so I phoned him this weekend and left a message. You know, if you'd like to save $750 million, give me a call. And when I told Mona, shared that with her, I'd done that. She said, well, now I guess we'll see if they're on the up and up. Because if they don't return your call, we'll know they're in on it. That's Yeah, that's very true. We'll find out. I'm, glad, <laughs> I'm glad you called. Isn't that fascinating? It is. And then, yeah. Jim, before we go back into this um, Las Vegas shooting here, I, I was just curious. Did you happen to see the video that Trump released, by the way, one of his latest tweets? It's, it's about a minute long. What, you mean from the hospital? Uh, no, I, I believe he is in the White House during this uh, time. Tell me what it shows, Michael. I got audio. Do you want to hear it? Yeah, sure. Go here ahead, we go. If it plays. Thank you. Don't be afraid of it. You're going to beat it. We have the best medical equipment. We have the best medicines, all developed recently. And you're going to beat it. I went. I didn't feel so good. And two days ago, I could have left two days ago. Two days ago, I felt great, like better than I have in a long time. I said just recently, better than 20 years ago. Don't let it dominate. Don't let it take over your lives. Don't let that happen. We have the greatest country in the world. We're going back. We're going back to work. We're going to be out front. As your leader, I had to do that. I knew there's danger to it, but I had to do it. I stood out front. I led. Nobody that's a leader would not do what I did. And I know there's a risk, there's a danger, but that's okay. And now I'm better, and maybe I'm immune. I don't know. But don't let it dominate your lives. Get out there. Be careful. We have the best medicines in the world, and it all happened very shortly, and they're all getting approved. And the vaccines are coming momentarily. Thank you very much. And Walter Reed, what a group of people. Thank you very much. No, Jim, some people are saying that Trump never had COVID. Well, what do you make listen, of that? Michael, Michael David Steele put out a short piece here the other day where he opened by saying he thought it was most unlikely that Trump had COVID because he, like all the members of Congress, have been taking hydroxychloroquine, knowing it's a hundred percent, it's both a cure and a preventative. So that when I was first told that Trump was being diagnosed, I said, and I think I was on the air at the time, this is very odd because he took HCQ, which means he shouldn't be vulnerable to it. Now, it looks as though the Democrats are playing games and, you know, we have some 14 members of Trump staff or prominent Republicans who have the are said to have the coronavirus. Now, it turns out to be 
a, a, a totally manufactured phenomenon because if you even look at the the PCR uh, insert, the PCR insert says that this cannot be used to diagnose that what it does is uh, tell you here, I'm going to read it. I've yeah, got go it right ahead, here. Jim. I pulled okay. it up. Here's go the insert it. from a COVID test. Michael, you'll love this. Go ahead. It, it should be noted that PCR tests cannot distinguish between live virus and non-infective RNA. This means the test cannot distinguish COVID from a cold or measles or Ebola. Notable human diseases caused by RNA viruses include Ebola, SARS, COVID-19, rabies, common cold, influenza, hepatitis C, hepatitis E, West Nile fever, polio, and measles. But, you know, the way they're playing this, if, 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 if you test positive, uh, then, you, you know, you have it. And if you, if, if, if you have no symptoms, you got it anyway, because you're supposed to be asymptomatic. So it's really, uh, quite outrageous what they're doing here to sell us on what could be called a pandemic that never was. There's actually a wonderful piece in Global Research on October 1st about how the whole thing is fraudulent. Uh, in a May 4, 2009 article, David Osinoff, a professor of environmental health at Boston University School of Public Health, told CNN, the word pandemic refers to how widely dispersed the disease is, not how severe the disease is. You can have a pandemic without a large number of deaths. This is exactly what we have in the case of the flu. According to the World Health Organization, influenza remains one of the world's greatest public health challenges. Every year across the globe, there are an estimated 1 billion cases, of which 3 to 5 million are severe cases, resulting in 290,000 to 650,000 influenza-related respiratory deaths. In the case of COVID-19 officially worldwide, there are 33,916,696 cases and 1,013,879 deaths out of a global population of 7,815,358,156. This amounts to a death count of almost 1 one-hundredth of 1%. In the U.S., the tally is 7,407,201 cases and 210,814 deaths out of a population of 334,742,314, which amounts to a death count of around two-thirds of one-tenth of one percent. In other words, we're being played from beginning to end over this thing, Michael. It's all total, complete bullshit. By the way, Jim, you are open to phone calls, by the way, right? Yes, absolutely, yes. All right, if anyone wants to call in with anything, you are more than free to do so. That number is 760-332-8965. Yes, that number on your screen. Sometimes people are um, asking me if that number is the correct number sometimes, Jim. It's kind of funny. But no, that that's the right number. And Jim, uh, another Jim in the chat room says, sure would like to be a fly on the wall when Jim and his wife are arguing. <laughs> I, I knew you'd love that. Yeah, that's very amusing. Meanwhile, the Associated Press, you know, and that's yes, principally the source for almost all the news stories we get around the country, not the, other than local news. 
has just published by a fellow named Steve Peoples, who's, uh, I can tell you right now, is a propagandist, colliding crises shake already chaotic campaigns last month. And get the first sentence. This is like democratic talking point. Sure. But Jim, hold on one second. You understand why people say these things. It's because of how politicized everything has become. No one knows who to trust anymore. Yeah, of course. But Mm -hmm. the the point is that the media should be objective and not declaring what's true and what's false. You know, they claim there's no evidence for this or no evidence for that when there's a great deal of evidence. I mean, I've yet to find a claim Donald Trump made that wasn't capable of being supported. Do you think the media needs? Do you think we need ineligible for Mm -hmm. the presidency? Well, Obama was ineligible for the presidency. He was born in. He was born in Kenya. They even have a monument to the first Kenyan president of the United States in Kenya, not knowing there can't be a first Kenyan president of the United States if we follow the Constitution. He also said Ted Cruz's father was uh, on the fringe of the assassination. Well, I do weekly or have for years and years and years a new JFK show. And we established that Rafael Cruz was in front of the trademark with Lee Oswald when he was handing, handing out pamphlets for a fair pay for Cuba committee. And remarkably enough that he was also in Dallas on Main Street near Dealey Plaza with, with the head of Alpha 66, one of the most vicious of all the anti-Castro organizations, which was captured in a photograph by a Dallas photographer that I used on the cover of my first JFK book, Collection of Expert Studies, Assassination Science, so right on the cover of my book, Assassination Science, there's a photograph of Rafael Cruz, meaning, you know, he wasn't one of the shooters, but there's no question he was on the periphery. He was involved. So Trump was right again. I mean, it's happened over and over. Now, here's what they wrote here, the photograph of a picture of, of Trump heading for Marine One to fly to Walter Reed. The closing days of the presidential campaign were already dominated by the worst public health crisis in a century. Understand that's supposed to be the responsibility of Donald Trump. Millions of jobless Americans, again, implied the responsibility of Donald Trump. A reckoning on civil rights. That means all the rioters, looters, Antifa, BLM are justified in what they're doing, which most Americans would not accept. The death of a Supreme Court justice, yes, yes, she did die, so that's at least truthful. But, of course, they're implying there's going to be this uh, overthrow of the court by Amy Coney Barrett and uncertainty about President Donald Trump's willingness to accept the election outcome. Well, he's expressed concern about the use of mail-in ballots, but it's with total justification practically every day we find some box of ballots or a thousand more here or a thousand more there. There's no question the Democrats are going to try to use mail-in ballots to flood the system. They're hoping it's going to be dragged out. They're hoping there's no resolution that neither candidate gets 270 electoral votes. In that circumstance, it's thrown into the House of Representatives. Now, Nancy Pelosi is hoping to find a way to make it come out so that the Democrats select the president. But here's the catch. Even though there are 535 seats in the House, well, I guess that's in Congress altogether, even though the Democrats have a great preponderance in the House of Representatives, they vote on the basis of one vote per state delegation. 
So there are only 50 votes to be cast. And it just so happens the Republicans control 26. The, the Democrats only 23 or 24. So Nancy's saying we got to win some more de- state delegations, meaning she'd like it to be carried over to the new Congress, but the Constitution makes it quite evident. This is to be done immediately, meaning by the old Congress, which means that even Nancy's, you know, her her her, her childish fantasy is not going to be realized because the, the Republicans can defeat it. Right, Jim, let me ask you this. In terms of media and reporting, do you think there should be something done in terms of how these stories uh, are reported, I guess you can say? I'm not sure if that's the proper wording, but do you think there should be something done in terms of media, journalism? Well, most Americans get their news through television. So what you need to do is to restore the fairness doctrine that Reagan had taken out that required you have to give equal time for alternative points of view at a single stroke that would balance out what we get. Because right now, you're just getting, you know, even the Republicans uh, that are featured or former government officials that are featured on MSNBC or CNN are clearly never Trumpers, anti-Trump, very partisan. They're willing to lie their face off. It's really pretty disgusting. Now, This is fascinating, Michael, because in spite of the onslaught, in spite of the coronavirus, in spite of the impeachment, in spite of Russiagate, and isn't it interesting, by the way, how recently now it has been revealed that, in fact, it was Hillary Clinton and corrupt elements of the FBI that started the whole idea of Russia having been involved in the election in order to deflect attention from Hillary's emails. I mean, this is something she's done before and with greater effect. When she was in the White House and promoting her health care plan, when Waco was taking place, she was very upset because Waco was taking way much, too much of the front page, which she wanted devoted to her health plan. So she put pressure on Webster Hubble, who was then the head of the Department of Justice, who, by the way, is the father of Chelsea Clinton. Bill himself has admitted he fires blanks. Hillary <laughs> had an affair with Webster Hubble when she was working with his law firm. Oh, my. Roger, oh, yeah. Roger Stone revealed it in his book, The Clinton's War on Women. And, you know, you look at Chelsea, she looks a great deal like Webster. That's well, for true. Good reason. That's yeah, true. For good reason. <laughs> well, I didn't know about that, Jim. That's quite yeah. fascinating. Yeah. Wow. You got to have me back more often. That's right. So, so, so Webster put pressure on uh, Janet Reno, who didn't want to do it. I recall her. The attack on the compound. I recall that lovely face, Jim, by the way. Say again. I said, I recall that lovely face of Janet Reno, no doubt. Oh, oh God. (laughs) So she actually, you know, led the assault on the compound, and they actually had flamethrower tanks that set the whole thing on fire. And it was totally unnecessary, Michael, because sure. David uh, Korush, who was the head of the, you know, the cult, walked back and forth to town each day to bring supplies back to the compound. And they what? They massacred 84 women and children. I mean, it was just uh, disgusting what happened. Absolutely. Now, that was done because Hillary put pressure on Webster, put pressure on Janet Remo to resolve it so Hillary could get front page coverage of her health plan. This is... This is the order of the disgusting person she is. Here's another story for you, Michael. Go for it. In Oklahoma City blowing up the Mura building. 
it really didn't have anything to do with a fertilizer bomb or a Timothy McVeigh. It was so far away from the building that most of the explosive force would have been diverted outward into the air. It could not have brought about the destruction of the building. There were actually two seismic blasts, a relatively modest one for the McVeigh a fertilizer bomb, and then much more massive, where the whole front of that facade was blown off. Some suspect it could have been nuclear. I'm not sure that was the case, uh, although it was true that in New York City, the North and the South Tower actually were taken out by a very sophisticated, small-scale nuclear explosion that went up the inner tube where you had the 47 core columns. That was destroyed from the bottom up. That had the effect of blowing apart the buildings from the top down and converting them into very fine dust, millions of cubic yards, which, by the way, is a signature of the use of nuclear devices converting materials into very fine dust. But in any case, what we had there that was so anomalous is that it was one agent after another bringing boxes of files out of the Mura building rather than tending to the dead and wounded. And this this blast killed a daycare, you know, murdered a bunch of kids in a daycare center. They were taking the files out because they were about drug dealing in, in Mena, Arkansas. It was the files against Bill Clinton. And I'm telling you, that's what happened. This is what Hillary does. This is a, a vicious, venal person. And I tell you even more, if you had the stomach for it, though it's gut-wrenching to even describe, I'll just say, anyone who wants to know more about Hillary, go to my new website, jimtheconspiracyguy.com. That's right. And watch my presentation on Pizzagate, which is the American franchise of Pedogate. By the way, we have a photograph of one Chelsea Clinton up in the uh, chat there. Do you know? Yeah, well, compare her with Webster Hummel. They've actually had Chelsea do a little plastic surgery to minimize the, the similarity, but it's striking. And as I said, Bill is sterile. He he he's 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 not capable. His 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 semen are dead. Oh my! They're, yeah, they're not capable of fertilizing an ova. By the way, I'm looking for a photograph now to compare. And yeah. yes, I'm looking. Right. Yes, I'm looking at a photograph now, and I found one and. The resemblance is there, and it does lead one to believe that perhaps he might be the biological father. I guarantee. We need Maury in here, by the way. Say again? We need Maury, Maury Povich. <laughs> He'll let us know right away, now, Jim. Now listen, now listen, Michael. Go Here's ahead. what's fascinating. In spite of all these massive attempts to take Trump down, right? Yes, sir. New poll results show President Trump ahead nationally in swing states and in the Electoral College. Get this. A poll produced by Poll Watch shows a president in the lead. Here it is, breaking. Democracy Institute poll shows Trump leading nationally in key battleground states and electoral college. Nationally, Trump by one, 46 to 45. Six battleground states, Florida, Iowa, Michigan, Minnesota, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, averaging Trump by four, 47 to 43. Trump's approval rating, 50%. He's now ahead in Florida, Minnesota, and New Hampshire, and in the Electoral College. In Florida, Trump 48, Biden 44. Minnesota, Trump 46, Biden 44. New Hampshire, Trump 45, Biden 43. Electoral College projection, where it held now, Trump 320 electoral votes, Biden 218. Nearly two-thirds of Americans, Michael, believe President Trump will be reelected 
and he certainly owns the top two issues, he law might. and order, and the economy. They're reporting the black vote for Trump, 18%. I predict it'll be substantially larger. Hispanic vote for Trump, 40%. I expect that will go up, too. Will Trump be reelected? Yes, 61%. No, 39%. Impact of Trump's illness, 68%. It won't affect their vote. 19% says it makes them more likely to vote for Trump. 13% say less likely. So there's a 6% difference making more likely to vote for Trump than less likely. Meanwhile, law and order remains the top issue in the election with 32%, the economy second, 30%. Democracy Institute correctly predicted Brexit and Trump's 2016 electoral wins. So, although the president is currently in the hospital, as we know he's just out, things are really looking up for him in the upcoming election. Interesting. And Jim, of course, there was another article that was just released just today with Don Jr. He said some rather interesting things here. I'm not quite sure if you are aware, but this is what the article says. Donald Trump's erratic and reckless behavior in the last 24 hours has opened a rift in the Trump family over the reign in out of the in the out of control president, rather, according to two Republicans briefed on the uh, family conversation. They are reporting that sources stated Don Jr. has told friends that he tried lobbying Ivanka Trump, Eric Trump, and Jared Kushner to convince the president that he needs to stop acting unstable. Um, what? I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't see any instability. Why is Don Jr. saying that? By the way, I'm not quite I, sure. I, I think it's a false. I think it's fake news. Well, that's what's believe, being reported. I'm not quite sure why. I don't believe he's saying that. I mean, look, they're trying to stir up dissension. I mean, look, the Democrats are going all out, Michael. It's 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 monstrous. Let me it is timely, that's for sure. Let me go back momentarily to the first debate, okay? Yeah, go ahead. Now, before the debate, we had reports that the Biden people already had the questions. This wouldn't surprise me at all. It happened before. Donna Brazile, for example, was known to be instrumental in getting Hillary uh, question she would be asked during town halls in advance. So it happens a lot. So I I take it for granted that's true. Number two, uh, that the president proposed having an ear exam to determine whether or not Joe Biden was wearing an earpiece. Well, sure, I saw that. But we have it independently, Michael, that Joe Biden's already had a surgical implant. He's had an earpiece inserted in his skull. Really? Directly to his ear. Yeah, that uh, I haven't uh, heard. But, but get get this. It turns out the guy who showed up for the debate actually had a wire running up his lapel, which would not have been necessary had it actually been Joe Biden. Now, get this. The Biden people ask for a break every 30 minutes. Now, you may or may not know, but a staff member has reported that the anti-dementia medication that Biden is on has the unfortunate side effect of making him incontinent so that staff members have met to deliberate on what brand of adult diaper he ought to be wearing, one that would be less visible through his clothing and didn't crinkle when he urinates, leading me to conclude that he has a, a life after politics making commercials for Depends. Oh, Jim, come on. I'm serious. <laughs> They asked for they asked for a break every thirty minutes so they could change his adult diaper. Oh my God! 
That's what was going on. Now, they refused to give him the 30-minute break. So what did they do? They brought out a guy. Uh, Joe Biden has blue eyes, by the way. The guy who was in the debate has brown eyes. Are you saying that was a, a body double? Yes. Oh, no. That's exactly what I'm telling you and how we know. Now, now uh, James Woods, who's this, you know, this actor who was really quite a brilliant guy, and his political tweets are sensational. For example, he tweeted after the debate that Donald Trump had crushed his opponent, Chris Wallace, and that there was another guy on the stage mumbling to himself. Well, what James Woods tweeted out here is, has Biden changed the color of his eyes? Because the guy who was on the debate stage had brown eyes, whereas Biden has blue eyes. Well, get this. Biden has earlobes, so that, you know, his ears at the bottom curl back up, so you have an extension hanging down. But where it connects to the to the face, uh, the jawline, it, it, it goes up, and there's a clear discernible space. The guy who debated, his ears attached downward. He does not have earlobes. That means it's not Joe Biden because earlobes are just as dis distinctive as fingerprints. Now, we know this. I've done research on a whole lot of these body doubles, Michael, as I think you're aware. And I have a, a wonderful piece uh, you can find it, Jim, the conspiracy guy. By the way, Jim, oh, we, we have Joe Biden to make comment uh, on your uh, statement there. Yeah, sure. Wait, 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 wait. You're getting nervous, man. Calm down. It's okay. That's what he was, that's what he was telling you there, Jim. I love it, Michael. I love it. <laughs> yes. There, there are a couple other things. I haven't Go worn ahead. a tie since 1969. Really? But to wear ties... Tie their ties the same way. Joe Biden uses a double Windsor. The debate guy only had a single Windsor. So here are some of the signs. Plus, if you look at the shape of the skull, the shape of the guy who debated is more narrow. But Joe Biden's uh, skull is slightly wider. Uh, we ran into this when we were debating about Paul Fall, whether Paul McCartney had actually died, as he appears to have done, on... Uh, September 11th, oddly enough, 1966, in an automobile accident where he appears to have been decapitated. So they had to figure out what to do with a band. And they, they decided they'd try somebody as a stand-in and see how it went. Well, it went really well, and he was actually an even better musician than Paul. So they had a little tweaks. His name was Billy Shepard. He's actually published a book called The Memoirs of Billy Shepard. It's available on Amazon. Unlike six of my books, Exposing Sandy Hook, The Boston Bombing, Orlando, Dallas, Charlottesville, and, and, and Parkland, which Amazon has banned because they're, they're too explosive and blow the case apart. Anyone who wants to pursue, by the way, can find them available at moonrockbooks.com. But where uh, Joe, uh, Paul McCartney, right. his replacement, was four, about four inches taller. We got him standing next to Jane Asher, to whom Paul was engaged. And he's about, uh, Paul and Jane are about the same height, but Paul, for false Paul or fake Paul, is about four inches taller. So he looms over her. Two Italian forensic scientists sought out to prove that the, the hypothesis, the conjecture Paul had died had been replaced was false. And they wound up confirming it. They discovered that Paul and Paul have different teeth and palates, that, that Paul had bad teeth and a narrow palate, and Paul has good teeth and a normal palate. But get this, their ears are also different. 
So when have you ever heard of anyone wearing a fake earpiece? Well, fall, the fake replacement for Paul McCartney has been observed wearing a fake earpiece. Well, they didn't do that for Joe Biden's stand-in, and I'm telling you, I have done so much on this. Hillary Clinton, after she collapsed at that 9-11 memorial, they actually took her back to Chelsea's apartment, which Chelsea had recently purchased, already having a wonderful apartment, didn't need another. But this one came with a private hospital on the same floor, so they closed the hospital to have only one patient, Hillary Clinton. They took her back to Chelsea's to the private hospital, but they were worried that the public would become concerned about her health if they didn't send her out. So in a desperate move, they send out a body double. I call her the Meg Ryan double. She's thinner, younger, much more attractive and pleasant, completely unlike Hillary, such that we even had, you know, uh, uh, photographs appearing with the, the caption, we can all breathe a sigh of relief. Hillary's body double is in good health. She actually used a second body double on a flight to Charlotte, North Carolina, within a couple of days. This woman is shorter, heavier, has a very sloping forehead. She reminds me more of Meryl Streep, so I call her the Meryl Streep double. But even during the debates with Donald Trump and with Bernie Sanders, they were using Hillary doubles. It wasn't Hillary. Now, Michael. By the way, Jim, did you just mention Meg Ryan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I a good comparison. It's, it's a good. It's a good comparison because Meg Ryan had a prescription medication uh, trouble for many, many years. A drug problem there, Jim. Well, I always liked Meg Ryan. Oh, she, well, me too. She's a great actor. She's, yeah, she's enchanted Actress. me in many ways. You know, from Presidio to You Got Mail. Oh, I was to, just saying, Jim. It's a. It's quite when, apropos when, the comparison since they both have drug issues. When, when, when Harry met Sally, I mean, I <laughs> right. love all those movies. Yes, and Jim, by the way, on a side note, I do have a photograph now of one Joe Biden during that debate, and you yeah. can see a, a black tiny wire by that tie of his. That's right, that's right, that's right. Well, see, Joe Biden's got the surgical implant, so he didn't need the wire. So that's another reason, you know, this is a body double, this is a stand-in. Joe Biden could not have stood there for 90 minutes without peeing in his pants, literally. My God. Literally. I'm talking literally. He's incontinent. So they did it. They used a body double. Hillary's used about eight. And I document these various body doubles in a, in a piece of mine entitled Fake News uh, Issues of Identity, which you can find at jimtheconspiracyguy.com. And you can go through and see it all. One of the most recent occurred when the, the New York Times in early 2017 wrote a piece called Hillary's in the House. And it was documenting Hillary being at four different plays on Broadway. So I wrote the author, Michael Paulson, and said, you know, that was a very interesting article, but none of those was Hillary. He apparently didn't even know that none of these women were Hillary Clinton, which shows how unfamiliar he is with the subject. I mean, that's embarrassingly bad. That's right. And even when I call it to their attention, they don't do anything about it, Michael. It's like my having called the insurance company to save them 750 million bucks and they don't bother to return the call. <laughs> and and <laughs> amazing. What, what, what are we to make of that? That's right. And Jim, my goodness, as we sit here sequestered once again, we are seeing a meteoric rise again with COVID cases in New York. We're seeing a bit of a lockdown going on out there in parts of New York in the Bronx, particularly. Uh, Jim, what well, do you make what, of that? What's, hap what's happening is de Blasio yes. 
is exercising his authoritarian impulses to shut down businesses and neighborhoods in Brooklyn and Queens. And, you know, people are getting pretty disgusted by all this stuff. In fact, sure. there are massive, massive protests Lots of them. against lockdowns going on all around the world, right. but the media is not reporting them, Michael. Yes, they lot. don't want us to know mm-hmm. that the rest of the world feels the same way we do about this. Yes, there's lots of anti-masks uh, protesting going on. Yes, yes, yes. All Absolutely. over the place, for, for those that don't know. It's all fraudulent, by the way. I don't know if you're familiar with the work of Andy Borowitz, who writes for the New Yorker. He's a satirist. He just wrote a short piece. Let me let me read it. Just a, it's just a real brief, but yeah, please, very pointed. Please do. Rule, rule change for second debate forbids Trump from attending. In a rule change announced on Thursday, the Commission on Presidential Debate said that Donald Trump will not be permitted to attend the second debate. We took a look at the first debate and decided we needed to tweak the format a bit. Harlan Dorrance, a spokesperson for the commission, said, we think this rule change fixes everything. Anticipating criticism that a debate must have at least two participants, the spokesperson said, there will be if you count the moderator. To enforce the rule change, a commission will post a photo of Trump at security. But Dorrance said that he hoped such a measure would not be necessary. If President Trump is listening, we're asking him to stand back, but don't stand by, he said. Ah! Amazing. Michael, this is just their attitude. This is a Democrat's attitude. He's not even entitled. By the way, a friend of mine sent me the following tweet from In God We Trust Patriot. President Trump is not a national socialist like Hitler and the Nazis were. If he were, the mainstream media in this country would have been already in a mass grave years ago. Goebbels would never have permitted these rabid lunatics. I think that's a nice point. You know, Trump's been pretty patient with all this, and he's clearly not a fascist. In fact, since the Antifa, Black Lives Matter, George Soros, who's, you know, financed district attorneys to get progressive district attorneys in positions all across the nation so that they can do absurd things like charging the St. Louis couple two lawyers when a hundred in a riotous mob came onto their property and threatened to kill their dog and burn down their house, they just brandished their weapons. So the district attorney made criminal charges not against the mob, but against them. Or in Kenosha, where Kyle Rittenhouse actually defended himself when three thugs were attacking him. They all three turned out to have criminal records and they were trying to kill him. He shot two in self-defense and wounded the third who confided to a friend in hospital where he was recuperating, his only regret was he hadn't unloaded on Kyle Rittenhouse. He was photographed there, kneeling after his arm was shot, holding his weapon in his hand, which he could not legally do as a convicted felon. So Niall was indicted for first-degree murder. Jesus. Yeah, it's just insane, Michael. The United States has gone stark raving mad, but it's really... Only half the country or less, I'm glad to say, it's about this this third of the country that is rabidly uh, progressive liberal and believes their own propaganda. So the way it's falling out is you have three major voting blocks in the country. You have the the liberal block, about a third. You have the Republicans, conservative. Really, it's the Trump block because the old Republican Party has been refashioned as a populist party in Trump's image. And then you have the independents. Well, the independents are moving decisively in Trump's favor. Even 
Go back to December, Rasmussen had a poll showing that 40% of black likely voters were going to support Trump. And as I may or may not have mentioned, Telemundo, in the immediate aftermath of the first debate, did it was an unscientific poll, but nevertheless revealing that Telemundo listeners, and you want to understand, this is a Spanish TV network that right. tends to be liberal, tends to be liberal. Very. Telemundo listeners voted 66 to 34 that Trump had prevailed over Biden. Yes, and lots of lots of the um, places they go and film and do their work, of course, uh, Mexico and Florida. And we mentioned this before on the program. Florida has a large Cuban population, and for the most part, they vote uh, Republican, Jim, no doubt. Well, it's very interesting. They certainly are now because, uh, you know, all the socialist programs, I, I frankly, in the midst of this coronavirus, thought Bernie Sanders would be the strongest candidate the Democrats could dominate because he's so well known for Medicare for all. I think that could have generated a lot of enthusiasm. Sure. But there's, no, there's no enthusiasm for Biden. Let me give you a couple of illustrations. No, you're right when, about that. When, when Trump came to Kenosha, there was a group of citizens waiting to greet him that was five miles long. When Biden came to Kenosha, there was one woman, a school teacher, who was out as his cheering squad. In, in, in Duluth, in Minnesota, uh, uh, Biden was in downtown Duluth, where I resided for 19 years when I was on the faculty of the Duluth campus of the University of Minnesota. And as a curiosity, he drew about 200. But when he had his rally, when he had his rally in the Carpenter Union Hall, he only drew a couple of dozen. Meanwhile, Trump was off drawing tens of thousands. I mean, this this enthusiasm gap thing is a reason why this very, well, quite brilliant professor is projecting Trump is going to win with like a 95% certainty and by a large margin because he uses a model that disregards all the polling they're doing now where they're deliberately oversampling Democrats and self-described progressive just as they did for Hillary. They're doing all this mass to prop up the propaganda, but it's not working. He bases it on early enthusiasm. And in the early polls, Donald Trump had support of 84% of the Republicans, Joe Biden, 8.4% of the Democrats. Yes, it's going to be very interesting, especially coming up here in uh, November. We're going we're to find out, Jim. We're going to find out, but I'm telling you, the Democrats are doing everything they can to steal the election. That's the only way they have a chance. And frankly, it's just not going to happen. Trump is ahead of them. He knows what they're planning to do. This is a, a brilliant guy. This is maybe the smartest political figure we've ever had astride the American political stage, Michael. Definitely. And uh, my goodness, Joe Biden it, it's even hard to even imagine him being the president, to be honest. Yeah, he well, he's he's massively incompetent. I mean, he, he's lost his cognitive capacity. That's why they have to send out a body double. He can't. He doesn't even have control of his physical functions. He's long been known as a grabber. He puts his hands all over little girls and makes them feel very uncomfortable. I must have related before that when Senator Chris Coons was sworn in from Delaware. And Biden performed the swearing-in ceremony in the Oval Office. He leaned down to Kuhn's daughter. It was picked up on the mic. I heard it at the time and said, do you have any idea how horny it makes me to be standing next to a 13-year-old girl? That's, a, that's a, 
That's outrageous. It's going to make a great campaign commercial. You think they'll go there? Well, they certainly could, but we have Biden, you know, at the Council on Foreign Relations admitting that he he extorted the Ukrainian government into firing the prosecutors going after Burisma, where his son Hunter has a position for which he's completely unqualified by threatening to withhold a billion dollars in foreign aid. If they didn't fire him, they gave him he gave him six hours to do it before he flew back to the U.S., and he's talking all about all this openly at the Council on Foreign Relations and turns the audience and says, son of a bitch, <laughs> they did it. They fired him. So here was Joe Biden taking credit for a classic quid pro quo of the kind they tried to pin on Donald Trump without any success because Trump was not guilty of the offense of which Biden himself was. And Jim, I do want to thank you for being a part of the program. I don't want to take up too much of your time uh, during the week here, I know you need a, a little bit of rest here during the week. I know you are quite busy. And, Michael, Michael, mm-hmm. five shows today. I know, my goodness. That's why I'm, well, I don't even know how you did it, to be honest. That's why I'm thinking, I'm looking at the time and I'm thinking, wow, Jim, you've been at it all day. So I don't want to take up too much of your time. But Jim, there was one thing that we talked about uh, off air here. And now it's that time to get into it with you in regards to the conference. What happened there, Jim? Well, what happened was we had a couple participants who were reluctant to come because of, you know, coronavirus complexities. They didn't want to be quarantined in Austin for two weeks, and therefore they wanted to do it virtual. So I approached the producer and said, maybe we should do this as a virtual product, and he 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 just cashed out the whole thing. He let the hotel know he was cashing it. Right now, I don't even know if he's willing to go forward on a pay-per-view, but I guarantee you, Michael, I've got a wonderful lineup. It's going to be a spectacular conference. I'm reaching out to alternatives. It will happen on the 7th and 8th of November. Uh, I may even change the title since it's no longer going to be held at the Hilton Hotel Hilton Garden Inn Airport in Austin, but I will update you as this matter proceeds. I think it's going to be a spectacular conference, but that we will do it through the internet. And, you know, it'll be a pay-per-view event, but believe me, it's going to be worthwhile. Very good. I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad it didn't just fold up. Uh, Jim, I was actually looking forward to possibly even attending. I've been deciding whether or not I should go out there. But, you know, if it's going to be online, perhaps that's a good idea. I think it turns out to be a good idea. So just in case, you know, some people can make it. So that that would probably work out for them. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, yes. And Jim, once again, if people want to find your work, they can go to moonrockbooks.com. And everything's out there, Jim. You have some great books. I've read a few of them and I enjoy them quite, uh, quite much here, especially especially leaving them out on the table and I'm drinking coffee with a friend once in a while and they'll see a book of yours, especially the, and I suppose we didn't go to the moon either. That book always causes quite the conversation, Jim. Well, that's a great book. That's probably my favorite of all these. And that includes not only essays about proving we didn't go to the moon. It's now in a second and expanded edition but it includes a whole series of essays on Paul McCartney and his replacement by fall. It includes essays about the first death of Saddam Hussein, the second death of Osama bin Laden, and then a series of essays about 
the mythology related to the end of World War II regarding the so-called uh, death camps and gas chambers that I think everyone would find very illuminating. Indeed, the ADL asked Amazon.com to ban any book that disputed the official narrative of the Holocaust, and this book, too, was among those that were taken out by Amazon. You can see their dedication to truth and freedom of speech and freedom of publication. It's outrageous. They have disgraced themselves. And I'm hopeful that after Trump's reelection, there's going to be a great dis dismantling of the social media giants who have violated their compact with the American people by becoming censors of everything the people want to say right. on the grounds that it violates their community standards, which evidently are opposed to inconvenient truths, no matter how important or significant they may be. Yes, Jim, whether we like the left or the right, we have to definitely not let anyone uh, censor our speech here in America. That's very un-American, uh, Jim, for anyone to go after you uh, or me or anyone for what they say or what they put in a book. Yeah, I know. So we got the books at moonrockbooks.com. We have a blog at jamesfetzer.org. And then we have the new website, jimtheconspiracyguy.com, where everyone ought to check it out. Just to go through all the shows, there are, there are like 44 shows I've done so far. And see if you don't find something there that captivates your interest. And then I expect you'll want to go back for more. That's right. That's right. Once again, Jim, thank you so much for being a part of the program. We will do this again very soon, Jim. I look forward to it, Michael, and I'll give you an update about the conference and everything else going on out there on the front. Thank you so much, Jim. Talk to you soon. My great pleasure, Michael. Thank you. Clockwise. Mahalo. Bye now. And there he goes, boys and girls. That was the one and only Jim Fetzer. And yes, looking at the clock now, it is that time to wrap it up. And I do want to thank all of you out there. Those of you in the chat really do appreciate that. And yes, Matt Friend from Australia. Bernie Sanders coulda, woulda, shoulda, but it coulda or it could never happen would not be allowed. Is America ready for that? It's a good question. I don't know. We are basically overtaken by the left and the right. Will America ever be ready for a third party? The way I see it, a third party could never flourish the same way the left or the right, the Democrat or the Republican uh, could because of the lack of funds. And thank you, J.D. Kilborn, for the $4.20. Yes, Jim Fetzer is the best. And I appreciate that, Jim. Class, class top show? You mean top class show? Is that what you mean, Jim? Is that what you mean, Jim? Is, is that what you're saying to me? Yes, yeah, subspace, I, I do appreciate that. I, I appreciate all of you guys out there for hanging out and uh, listening to the program. And keep in mind, if you want more content, please go to patreon.com forward slash Michael Deacon, and uh, that's where you'll find more content for me. Really do appreciate all of you out there, and I believe we will return very, very soon. I believe uh, Dr. Paul Cottrell will be here Wednesday. Yeah, I believe that is Wednesday. And it will be fun. I hope all of you out there return. Those of you who are new, please hit subscribe if you are tuned in right now on YouTube. And of course, those out there who listen in on the podcast rendition of the program, I do thank all of you out there for hanging out with us and listening in. And yes, Lady Steph, thank you so much for hanging out. Lee J, thank you too. 
Truth VJ, yes, thank you so much. And Donovan, appreciate all of you hanging out here tonight. Once again, international listeners out there, thank you so much for your support as well. It's been a fun night. And now it's time to leave you. And I feel bad. I wish I could talk more. But we were only here for a good time. Not a long time. You know how that goes. The mind continues to race. Stay safe, everyone, no matter where you are on this island Earth. I'm Michael Deacon. I think I am. And with that said, the world is a mysterious place. And life itself is a mystery. Until next time, good night, everybody.